Welcome to the Bible Conversation Podcast with Chris, Dan, and Dylan. Let's have a conversation. Welcome to another episode of Bible Conversations. We're excited to get going today, and um, man, it, it's been a really good day. I don't know about y'all, um, but I'm excited to be back here. Um, you know, we've each kind of taken our turn away from the podcast uh, this new year. <laughs> yeah, we have. Um, we have. But we're finally all back together. So um, it's good. It does feel good. Yeah. Um, You know, I came back into the office this week and just smile on my face because I was ready to get going. And I've spent spent a couple weeks at home with just ideas and just ready to to get back and and get working. So um, today we're going to talk about um, kind of America and the church and our relations together and, and really the biblical model for how life should work, I guess is the way to summarize it. So um, Chris has got an article that he's going to start us off with um, and kind of begin, get the ball rolling. Yeah. So this article was written by uh, Steve Higginbotham. So if you're listening, Steve, uh, thank you for for this wonderful article. Uh, If, uh, if somebody knows Steve, you can go ahead and point him to this uh, podcast. We'd love to uh, let him know that we're using some of his content, but um, we do have this article that was written, and it's written about, I guess, really politics, and it's written about the church and what our response as the church should be to politics that are going on in, uh, in any nation. And I think it's a very timely discussion that we're having as just yesterday uh, we had Joe Biden enter the presidency. And so uh, what, what we want to do is discuss really what our job is as Christians when it comes to politics. So uh, I'm going to list off four different uh, attributes of two separate leaders here. Uh, And uh, the first leader of of this particular nation uh, hosted and participated in uh, sexual orgies. He had a library of pornography. Uh, He raped men against their will. He engaged in pedophilia, even engaging in sexual acts against infants. Now, this man was assassinated. And in his place, there was somebody else who came to power. And he had an incestuous relationship with his sister. Uh, He showed dominance over other men by having sexual relations with their wives, even at one point stopping a wedding uh, to to be with the bride-to-be. He murdered children and forced their parents to watch while he murdered them. And he claimed to be a god. Now, these two men are not rulers within America. (laughs) They have, uh, in fact, long been dead. They were Roman emperors. The first one was Tiberius, and the second was Caligula. And I think that's important to note because they were alive and reigning during the life of Jesus and the early ministry of Paul. And I think that's really important to note as we look at the scriptures. Because what we don't see is we don't see Jesus and we don't see Paul asking for governmental reform. We don't see them looking for the uh, removal of either of these. Even with as bad as they were. Even I mean, as bad you as they just, were. You just read how, how much of an awful person they were. I mean, yes. I mean it's, none of those it's things a, were good. It's okay to say that. They were yeah. awful human beings. <laughs> they were. They were despicable human beings. Um, and so we don't see Jesus or Paul or any of the other New Testament writers writing for Christians to stand up in arms against political regimes, ideologies, etc., etc. Now, what we do see is we see Paul and Jesus preaching righteousness. 
right? Condemning unrighteousness no matter where it is. And I think that's an important uh, thing that we're going to kind of discuss is the idea of unrighteousness being unrighteous. There is no part of it that can be righteous if it is unrighteous. And we'll talk about that a little later. Uh, and then also pray. You know, the, the idea the idea of praying for boldness, for peace, for uh, for righteousness to, to be done, for God's will to be done, all of these things. And I think the, the, the crux of the article is not saying that government is unimportant. It's not saying that we cannot focus on, at least in part, on government. It's not saying that we can't focus on the things that we find enjoyable or whatever in life. What it's talking about is the idea that Jesus, God, the church, has to come first. And so I'm going to, I think Dylan's got a couple points he wants to bring up, excuse me, bring up. But uh, I wanted to start with that article just as a an entry to this discussion. Yeah. And kind of like you mentioned that you know, Christ didn't call for reform. He didn't say, you know, if you're going to succeed as a Christian, if you're going to spread my good news, you need to change the government first. Yeah. And then you can start spreading my good news. That That's not the way it works. I believe what we see primarily in our nation today is what is something I like to call Americanized Christianity, you know, and there's, there's really three points to Americanized Christianity. It's, it's where the American culture is kind of people have merged that with biblical values and have really created their own message, preaching it under the, the guise of, Hey, this is biblical values when it really isn't. I mean, and some of the things that come to mind, you know, is, the, the belief that love equals tolerance. And we've talked about this on a podcast before mm-hmm. that, you know, if you love somebody, then you're going to show them the right way. You're not going to tolerate, tolerate their wrongs. And it's talked about in Hebrews chapter 12, that um, as the Hebrew writers saying, you know, you haven't really even faced persecution yet. Um, you know, you still have a long way to go to learn. And, and then he even quotes from Proverbs and he says, you know, the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. And um, I think that's a quote from Proverbs chapter 12. And the, the point is that in order to really love somebody, you're going to show them the right way. You're not going to say, ah, you're okay, you're just be, stay where you are. Or you're not even going to say, please love me no matter what, because that that's really what Christ would want. Well, it's not no matter what. Well, it is no matter what. I'm going to love you no matter what. Yeah. But I'm also going to show you the right way, not tolerate. Um on the flip side of that, though, to kind of combat that that part of Americanized Christianity, there's another part of Americanized Christianity, and that's the, for lack of a better term, Bible beaters, if you will. It's the Bible thumpers. Bible, <laughs> yeah. It's it's the the folks that will say, "Well, I've got to correct you, no matter what. Love does not equal tolerance. You are doing wrong, and I'm going to prove it to you and and slap you on the back of the head to show you." Yeah. They they they. The way I always imagine it is, you know, you take someone's Bible and you walk up behind them and you just literally thump them with the Bible. That's how I imagine a Bible thumper. Yeah. Someone hit you over the head with this Bible. Yeah. Well, that's not going to do anything. And pro- probably not literally, but um, but verbally, it's it's yeah. the I'm going to correct you no matter what because you're wrong. And love is kind of honestly tossed out the window when that happens. And that's the again, Americanized Christianity of we're going to be holding true to the way that this nation was founded and I'm going to show you why. And it's taking American culture, trying to mix in a little biblical values to make it sound good and really gets far away from the message of Christ. What both of those sides of American Christian, Americanized Christianity do is 
really turns into idolatry because the love equals tolerance side will say, well, fine, if you're not going to tolerate me no matter what, then I'm going to, you know, put this guy in office who's going to force you to do that. While the other side says, well, if you're not going to hold true to um, to the traditions that we've always held on to, then I'm going to put someone in office that will force you to do that. And all of a sudden, those political people have been um, idolized. They've been placed on this on this pedestal. pedestal. Yeah, exactly. And um, and have become their god. Yeah. Um, and on the flip side of that, then not only is that clearly wrong yeah. but there's even the the demonizing of the other one and and this whole back and forth is all under the 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 cover of I'm doing this because I'm a Christian yeah. like the the love tolerate Christian the no stay true to what you know what we were founded on Christian and I'm like my goodness that is not Neither of those are Christian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, the really big thing is that what really is Christian is leaving that behind, coming together in our, the unity only in Christ. Yeah. And that's kind of what I took away from this article, um, I guess, is that we, we don't see Christ calling for governmental reform in order to force people to follow him, nor Paul, nor the, any, any of the other apostles. Yeah. Instead, it's the... Preach righteousness, condemn un- unrighteousness in a loving way. It's the uh, reprove and rebuke that Paul is ta- telling Timothy in First Timothy two. Yeah, um, it's the live a peaceful and and godly and quiet life. That's Second uh, Timothy four, I believe, or maybe uh, yeah, Second Timothy four. Yeah, no, sorry, Second Timothy four is the reprove and rebuke. First Timothy two <laughs> is the lead a uh, peaceful and godly life. But that's the message. It's not a I'm going to control everybody. Through government. Well, and so. I can't tell you guys, and I'm sure you have too, right? But how many times over the last year, calendar year, 12 months probably, if not more, that I've heard, I don't know how you can be a Republican and be a Christian. Or I don't yeah. know how you can be a Democrat and be a Christian. And to me, that's just such a backwards way of thinking. It is, mm-hmm. yeah. Right? Like we are Christians first. We're not Republicans mm-hmm. first. We're not Democrats first. And if you are, that's an issue. Just yeah. gonna say it out front. Yeah. That's an issue. Well, if, yeah. if that's the way you're defined. I mean, when you say, "I can't believe you're this or that and a Christian," it's <laughs> wait a second. Why are you saying "and a Christian"? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you should be defined by your Christianity, yes. by the status that I am a child of God. Exactly, and not by well, you're this and a Christian. Yes. You know, and that's that's 100 percent what I mean by Americanized Christianity. It's you know, I go to this country club on the weekend. Wait, what? Yeah, it's called this church, like what this or that, and, yeah. and we worship there, but it really is just a, a community of people that, that get along. Well, that's not that's not church. That's not the church. Yes. So sorry, I kind of jumped in there. But. No, you did. That's all right. So I and, and however you phrase it, right? Like I don't understand how you can be a Christian and a Republican or a Christian and a Democrat. It doesn't matter how you're phrasing it because yeah. the, the premise, right, is that the the front seat is your party, your political affiliation, whatever. And then the backseat is Christianity, right? Yeah. Because yeah. whatever it may be, right? How can you be this political party and then hold these beliefs as a Christian, right? How does that yeah. work? And yeah. that's yeah. just not, we are Christians first and foremost. And I think that's absolutely imperative. Now, Dan, I know you had a couple things that you kind of wanted to discuss. 
Well, yeah, you know, there, there's there's so many things I could say about <laughs> I want to say about this, you know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, in, in keeping with what we're talking about here, a lot of what I hear us saying, and maybe the, the best way to start is just by reading a scripture here. Yeah. In Colossians chapter 3, in verse 1, it says, If then you were raised with Christ, yes. seek those things where? That are above. <laughs> yeah. That are above, right? Where Christ is. Yeah. Sitting at the right hand of God. And that's what I hear you guys talking a lot Amen. about. You, you said front, front seat versus back seat. Yeah. You know, um, center. You know, I, I like to think about the center. You know, what is our center? In fact, I, I know an old preacher, uh, uh, kind of a mentor of mine, but he had this great illustration when he was um, teaching about marriage. He would use this in premarital counseling. And he had like this wheel. And he'd draw the circle. And then right in the middle, he would put whatever, you know, and basically, if you put anything else in that middle, uh, if you put your marriage, you put your family, you put government, you know, you you put uh, your job, if you put anything in that middle other than Christ, that was a broken wheel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That wheel is going to stumble. It's going to fall, yeah. you know, because that's 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 what your whole life is 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 axled on, you know, yeah. and it's going to stumble because it's something temporal, it's something fallible, it, it's something that will fail in time, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, and that's I think that's a really big yeah. key that in time, because there's mm-hmm. a lot of people that don't have Christ in the center of their wheel, and they're like, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I got My a great life. job. I got a one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. but. In time may not even be in this lifetime. Yeah, yeah. But and I and I, you know I would I'll, I'll say, I think our country was a lot better <laughs> than what it is now. Yeah. At, at one point, yeah. you know, I think there was a time when our country was much closer to Christian principles. Now, I mean, it's like look at some of the laws; they're just like, yeah, wow. But again, that shows you that these that these temporal things, these fallible things, uh, you know, they can fall apart. They can fall apart just like that, and if, and Christ is the only thing in our life that will not fall apart. Yeah. That is indestructible. That cannot be changed. It is always dependable, always trustworthy. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's a lot of what Steve Higginbotham. Well, yeah. About now here. I, I want to continue actually with this verse that Dan's reading for us here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you read verse one for us, but I want to continue with two and three. He says, "Set your minds on things that are above." It's kind of a, a repeat of verse one, but then he says in verse three, "For you have died, and your life." is hidden with Christ and God. If people really want to know, wait, how do I go about doing that? How do I go about actually putting Christ in the middle of my life? Well, the throughout Scripture, throughout the New Testament, there is this, this picture that is painted that you die to your old life when you are baptized and you rise to a new life in Christ. That old life, a lot of times is mentioned, you know, that's that you're dying to your life of sin. Well, there's more than just that sin that you're dying to. You're dying to anything that keeps Christ from being in that center. Mm-hmm. Take, for example, yeah. the rich young ruler. Was it inherently bad that he had a lot of possessions? No, of course not. Yeah. No, nothing wrong with having possessions. But Christ, when Christ told him to go sell and every to go, to go sell everything, he went away sorrowful because he held those possessions, those riches, as greater than Christ Himself. And yeah. so, when you die to your old life, you're leaving all of that behind in order to pick up your cross and carry and, and follow Christ. And so, what Dan is saying right here, which I what I think you're saying with that that wheel, Christ being in the center, in order to do that, you have to die to everything in your life, sin. Anything that you hold greater than Christ, 
and and change your life. I mean, it's it's a change to say Jesus is most important. I'm going to dedicate my time. I'm going to dedicate my energy mm-hmm. to following Him. Well, yeah. and you know, I th- I think all of this is great, but it's not always easy to do that. Yeah. Right. Like, mm-hmm. fo- truly following Christ is not always easy. In fact, a lot of the times it's very difficult. Yeah. Um, I actually, so I've been reading through Job uh, with, with a couple of uh, couple of the, the students here at, at, at our church. And um, Job chapter 21 stuck out to me because for 20 chapters worth of Job, essentially, his friends are telling him, Job, you're awful. You're wicked. You're doing wrong. <laughs> Repent. You're terrible. You're the worst. Yeah, you're, that must be the reason that, that you're going through That must be the reason, trouble. right? Yeah. Uh, because you're not prospering, you must have sinned, right? Yeah. And then Job in chapter 21, the, the subtitle that is not inspired, but the subtitle I think does does justice to the, the content, says the wicked do prosper. And in, in verse uh, 7, why do the wicked live, reach old age and grow mighty in power? Their offspring are established in their present, their descendants before their eyes. Their houses are safe from fear, and no rod of God is upon them. Their bull breeds without fail, their cow calves and does not miscarry. They send out their little boys like a flock, and their children dance. They sing to the tambourine and the lyre. They rejoice in the sound of the pipe. They spend their days in prosperity, and in peace they go down to Sheol. They say to God, depart from us. We do not desire the knowledge of your ways. What is the Almighty that we should serve him, and what profit do we get if we pray to him? Being a Christian is not always easy. Because even sometimes the the wicked do prosper, yeah. and and when we as Christians look out and we see other people who we believe are immoral, we believe are doing wrong, uh, we see somebody who we don't agree with on the political spectrum, on whatever type of spectrum, we see them doing really well in life. We kind of get upset. We get a little jealous. We we start to want what they have, and 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 when that want comes in. I- Sorry, I don't mean to jump across, but I think what you're saying is when that want comes in, Christ starts to move away from the center. Exactly, right? The the idea of Christ becomes less significant because we want something that is material. We want something that is here, right? And that's going to bring me to to kind of the verse that I want to talk about is is in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Uh, and, and I think it's important that we discuss what happens prior to this, because Absolutely. in Matthew six nineteen through 24, Jesus here is talking about laying up treasures in heaven, mm-hmm. not on earth, right? Where moth and rust destroy, right? The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness, right? No one can serve two masters. For either you will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Well, if we pause right there, you cannot serve God and politics. You cannot serve God and blank. Anything that you hold up that is getting in your way, you got to die to that. You have to. Um, for folks who are not yet Christians, yeah. I think that's a really important understanding. When you're deciding to put on Christ in baptism, you're not just saying, I want to make sure I go to heaven. What what that is is saying Jesus is more important. I I don't care about this or that because Jesus is more important. It's kind of kind of like the the analogy when Christ says if you're going to follow me, you have to hate your mother and father. Yeah. Well, you're not going to actually hate your mother and father because we're supposed to love all people. But compared to Christ, then my mom and dad are nothing. Yeah. And that's exactly what what needs to have. People need to have that realization when they. It's a high calling. 
Yes. It's a very yeah. high calling, and it's a difficult calling. And yeah. I think that's why, you know, you get the, the parable of counting the cost, right? You don't go to war without knowing how many how many soldiers are on the other you side. Build how many a build, you, have, you don't build a right? building without All knowing how much money you have. Yeah. But but the importance of this, right, is when we understand that, when we understand that the spiritual aspect of our lives is vastly more important than the material wealth that we have. When we understand that Jesus comes first above all else, then we can understand verse 33 of Matthew chapter 6. Mm-hmm. We can really understand what that means. And it, it says here, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Yeah. So after he talks about laying up treasures in heaven, after he talks about not being anxious about your life, about what you're going to eat or what you're going to yeah. wear or where you're going to live or whatever the case may when, be. When you see those people whose lives are great, the wicked <clears throat> prosper. Yes. Don't be anxious about that. Don't don't worry about exactly. that stuff. Because yeah. what we are to be doing is seeking first kingdom of God. Yeah. Because all of those things that we need are going to be added to us. Yeah, so, God's going to take care of you. Don't yes. worry. Um, and so as we kind of bring this back into the, the, the beginning of this conversation, right, of what are we doing? Are we serving God first or are we serving our political affiliation first, right? Mm-hmm. Are we making an idol of our uh, political beliefs or are we serving God, the, the one and only true God? I think it's important that, again, we seek first the kingdom of God. Because it does not matter in this life if we registered as a Democrat or we registered as a Republican, we are not going to be judged. Our our salvation will not be judged on that. It will not be. It will be judged on the deeds that we have done in life. It will be judged on the way that we treated people. It will be judged on what we have chosen to do with our life. It will not be judged on whether or not we checked a box that says Democrat or Republican. Well, and to go along with that thought that you're – talking about Chris it's, it's not even a we're not going to be judged based on okay you did this many good actions you did this many bad correct it's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a list yeah, it's of, a, of good or bad a heart issue yes did you give your heart over to God yeah that, that's the question yeah and um, I mean sometimes I think about that like well, what is judgment day going to be like yes. have y'all ever thought about that I, I have but I try not to so <laughs> so in my mind as I've pictured it before um, I I picture the the Cowboys stadium, actually. You know, you got that big TV that's dropped down in the middle of everything and the stadium full of people. And I, I imagine on Judgment Day, one person at a time comes down and everything they did wrong is played on that TV. And God says, why? I do imagine and, a TV, too. And, I don't imagine the Cowboys TV. <laughs> I imagine like a 1970s That's the big TV in my mind. And and then Jesus says, if if your heart has been given over to him for, for your life, Jesus says, I got him. He's good. You know, Je- Jesus is our defense attorney, if you will. And, and that's the question. Has your heart been given over to Christ? Ha- have you devoted... Your life to him. Is he in the center of your life? Is, is he in the center of your wheel? Yeah, right. <laughs> like Dan's saying. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And if I can speak to the, the, you know, you're speaking to the heart. If I can speak to the mind for just a second, you know, I think too, it's a, it's a realization. It's a realization of where the power yeah. of real change begins. Yeah. Because again, we're not saying, well, you're saying God doesn't care about my, my, my country or, you know, uh, or God doesn't care about you know, I would say about other things too, like marriage or, you know, something like that. God, God cares about all those things, but where's the power 
for change. You know, yeah. I, I, it, whether I get married or not in this life, uh, you know, doesn't or you're your, talking about, you know, whether I'm, I'm this party or that party. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't affect your salvation. No, it doesn't yeah. affect my salvation. And, and at the core, what needs to be at, in my life, what I need to remember, and is that the gospel, let me make that, because sometimes I think, <laughs> I'm thinking about two different things. But I, I also thought about what you said. It's not easy. And for us, I think, us, I'm talking about us at the table here. Yeah. I think it can be even easier than some because, hey, we get to preach for a living. God is like, living. this is what we do, you know, yeah. eight hours a day and then, and then the rest of the day, you know? <laughs> so it's like, if you're in a, if you're working for a political party or you're some kind of chairman, you know, how do you make that separation? How do you, yeah. you know, this is what I do for a living. This is how I put, but again, I think even if you're in a position like that, you can still have this realization yeah. that, hey, first things first. Yeah. I might have a 40-year career, and you know what? This country's going to go the totally opposite direction than what my job has yeah. been, yeah. you know, in these policies and that policies. So remembering that Jesus, the gospel, is the center, that's yeah. that's really what we need, yeah. and that's, well, that's and the I, power to change. And I think that's absolutely crucial, because if we can understand Again, God comes first, right? Again, Matthew six thirty three, right? Seek first his kingdom. Then everything else that we're worried about, everything else that we're concerned about, right, will take care of itself, Yeah. right? If we can seek first God's kingdom, if we can spread the, the gospel, if we can spread the good news, if we can tell people about Christ, we can convert people to the truth, Christianity. Well, at that point, we will all be of one mind. Of one yeah. Lord, one faith, one hope, one baptism. Ephesians right? four, four through six, maybe. <laughs> we will be, we will be one, right? They're they're laughing that's a little bit because that's Sunday. that's our that's, yeah, that's, that's what he's preached on this Sunday, and that's that's what our focus is this year is this idea of unity. Well, the only way we can truly be unified is in Christ. It is through the gospel because everything else shifts like the sand, moves like the sea. It is. It's it's a it's a it's the wind, right? It it, it yeah. adjusts, it changes all the time. But vanity, vanity, doesn't. everything is vanity. Yes, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. proverbs something. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So everything else changes, mm-hmm. but the gospel doesn't. Jesus doesn't. God doesn't. And so if we're going to be unified, the only thing that we can truly be unified in is the one thing that doesn't change. Because if we're trying to be unified in things that are malleable, yes. we are going to change with them. Yeah, and that's not good. So again, we have to seek first the kingdom of God. I, I, I don't feel like I can ever stress that enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's I think, right. that, that's I think right. what you're just saying there is that when we try to be unified in things that are not the kingdom of God, not Christ, not foundation, yeah. and mm-hmm. then we change with them, yeah. that kind of brings us full circle to back to, you know, this Americanized Christianity idea is that yeah. we've held on to certain aspects of culture. We've held on to um, certain things of nations and of man, Mm -hmm. not of Christ. Um, And then, I mean, you can see it in in people's lives. They've changed with it. I mean, how many friends do you have that you're like, (laughs) that's not the person I thought I knew. Well, it's probably not the same person because they've changed with it. Instead Mm -hmm. of dying to all that stuff and being joined to Christ, they've died to probably things the way you used to know them as and yeah. now they're they're walking yeah. something else. And you know what you were saying about Americanized Christianity 
you know, a lot of what I hear you saying is it's it's what's driving us. Yeah. What is driving us? And you do see that. I, I, I'm talking to a friend right now that I feel like when I hear him now, he's just regurgitating what the Democratic Party is saying. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like I, I heard this stuff on the news yesterday. You're saying the exact same even, thing. Even in the Bible study. Yeah. If you're trying to study the Bible with someone, then and they're just regurgitating what they've heard. Platforms. Right there. Yeah. Then it's... Yeah. Well, that's you see what's driving. Yeah, exactly. Their, their you see what's driving. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, again, it's just back to the eternal kingdom. You know, that's what's eternal. That's what's going to last forever. And yeah. so, if we get so entangled and wrapped up in these other things, things that hey, food and clothing. I mean, I, I mentioned to you, Chris, the two things that the Bible says you have, you need mm-hmm. is food and clothing, right? <laughs> I mean, it's what says Matthew 6, like God's going to provide that for you. And though. yet, yeah, and yet Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. Yeah. You know, well, all you, the way, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, right? God provided food and then he provided for them clothing. Yeah. He did not yeah. provide for them a house. He did not provide for them anything else. He yeah. provided for them food and clothing. Well, that was it. Yeah, speaking, speaking of food, what was the devil trying to tempt Christ with him when he was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights? Food. Turn... Turn these stones into bread. You need food. You need sustenance. You know, the, one of the basic <laughs> yeah. needs of, of mankind. And to Jesus, be fair, 40 days of fasting, he probably did. But he chose not to. Yeah, he chose not to. Christ did not choose to turn those rocks into, into bread to eat. Instead, he said, no, food's not my most important thing. My most important thing is to be be sustained by the word of God. Yeah, that's right. And like food, political parties and and things like that have a way of changing people, making people do things that that God would not want to do. What was that quote that you had uh, from, who was it? I don't remember who it was, but I know you had a quote a little bit ago um, about the, the, the church and government relations. Yeah, the, the contentiousness. Uh, or, oh, yeah. He said, uh, you know, Chip Engram, we don't advocate everything. He endorsed everything he says. But he said, in all my years, I have found few issues so divisive that anger so many and that have more Christians at odds with one another than the issue of the church and politics. Yeah, the funny <laughs> thing is, why is that the case? Probably because where there's our a passions are lie. Where your passions yeah. lie. There's probably a lot of Christians, members of the church, who don't have Jesus at the center of their wheel. Yeah. And so then the question really is, did you die to your old life? And it, yeah, probably not. I mean, yeah. it, if people are being divided within the church over that, then no, you probably didn't die to and your so, old life. And so, you know, when, when it's all said and done, everything else is going to perish. Yeah. This yeah. nation, even our, our marital relationships. Yeah. Our, our family ties, our, our blood bonds, yeah. our job, all of that is going to perish. Yeah. Yeah. And the only thing left will be the eternal kingdom of God, the, the presen- church. The, the presence people, of God. The, yeah, <laughs> the people of Jesus Christ. That's yeah. it. There will be no sun because God himself is the light that we need. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's an amazing thought that... You know, we don't need anything physical when we're in the eternal presence of God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dylan, I'm, I'm going to let you close up here in a second. All right. But I want to make sure that everybody that has listened this far, one, thank you so much, but uh, understands we are not at all saying that, that government is unimportant or immaterial. Right. We are not at all saying that the other things within our lives that, that form a part of who we are are not important or immaterial. What we are saying, and I think... And I hope what has been very clear 
is that Christ must come first. Has to. That the church has to come first. That if we are espousing our political beliefs more than we are espousing our belief in God, that's an issue. Or even just as much. Yeah, Yeah. or even just as much. (laughs) If we are espousing our love of sports more than we are espousing our love of Christ, that's an issue. Christ must come first, right? If your Facebook profile is littered with political ideology, but not with Christianity, I see that as an issue. Yeah. And, and I, and I think, and I hope that you will take some either encouragement from this, or if you're upset about it and you want to talk to us, let us know. <laughs> yeah. But, but we are of the firm belief that the church must come first, that Christ must come first, and that anything other than that is simply an idol. Um, and, and so Dylan, I, I'll, I'll let you kind of close it out, tie it in a bow. Yeah. Put, but, uh, put, put a bow on put it. A bow on um, it. I mean, in, in addition to that, not only does Christ come first, not only should he not, not should be tied for first, he should have such a big lead that he's lapped everything else in our life. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if, yeah. if we're running track to put it in that kind of metaphor, yeah. Christ should be so far number one that he's lapped everything else mm-hmm. probably a couple of times. I mean, like everything else should be probably laying on the ground tired because Jesus is so far ahead and, and he's just up there running. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and that's, that's, that's Christ. That that's what he should be in each of our lives. That far ahead. Um, so, anyways, just wanted to to kind of make that last point. Yeah. But um, but I think our listeners know, and of course y'all know that all of this comes out of love. Yeah. All of this kind of like I was mentioning at the beginning. We, we can't tolerate things when people put idols above Christ and. That doesn't mean that we're not loving. This actually comes out of love to to remind people, hey, you need to you might need to change something to make Christ number one again. Mm-hmm. So uh, everything comes out of love. Everything, especially for me, I think comes out of joy because I I can't I, like I said at the beginning I can't stop smiling since I've been back in the office this week. So it's great to be back and uh, hope everyone is doing well. Um, please stay tuned and find out how you can reach out to us. Thank you so much for listening to the Bible Conversations podcast. I want to tell you about a couple of ways in which you can be involved or help us out. You can like us on Facebook and share our posts. You can send us an email at kcocbibleconversations at gmail.com. You can follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can even leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We're also partnering with Ministry League. This is a wonderful app full of so many different resources to help you grow your faith. We love you all. Now let's go start a conversation.